Greetings, happy Sabbath. Nice to be with you again. Just a moment, I want to have a little uh, prayer and uh, ask for the Lord's blessing upon our worship service here. And um, let's just take a moment and bow our heads. Father in heaven, we want to thank you that we can come into this house of worship. We know that this is one of the very first Sabbaths of the year. And as we contemplate the recent past and the past and the near future, Lord, we realize that through the prophetic word, we are very dependent upon heaven's light and heaven's help. I pray, Lord, that in this time that we have here to be together for just a few moments, that thou give direction to our lives and to our thinking and to our souls. Lead, guide, and direct us. Guide my mind. I pray that each one of my dear brothers and sisters here gathered for worship will be drawn to Christ, that their affections will be upon him, that they will love him more because they have been here today. We thank you so much for hearing our prayer. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I'd like to uh, share with you a few verses from Psalms 119 and then make a comment and then talk about what we're going to look at today. But there is a statement in the inspired writings that says that the religion that comes from God leads to God. And that's the religion that I want, and I'm sure that's the religion that you want. The religion that comes from God leads to God. In Psalms 119, the psalmist said, Thy testimonies are wonderful. Thy testimonies are wonderful. Therefore doth my soul keep them. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. I opened my mouth and panted, for I long for thy commandments. It's a beautiful description of our, the relationship that we can have with Christ. Um, uh, for our scripture reading today, we heard from Psalms 15 a character description of those who will have eternal life. He that doeth these things shall never be moved. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly, and then the psalm goes on. I I think it is well for us as we are now looking right into this new year to ponder the path of our feet and to consider where we are in time and to consider what our duties are. This past Sunday, my sister sent me a text, and she said, today it is 17 years since father passed away. And I thought to myself, that chunk of time has gone fast. I remember when we buried my father, it was about within one mile of the farm where I spent a lot of my growing up years. It was January, and as we buried him, I could see right up through the woods because there was no leaves on the trees and see the farm up there. And I thought how quickly that 46 years has gone. And now another 17 has chunked away. 
Time is moving very rapidly. And when's the last time that I will attend Brooklyn Church? When's the last time you will attend Brooklyn Church? When's the last time you will eat breakfast and leave your home? We don't know, but we do know that time is moving on very rapidly. So I'd like for us to think about some things uh, on this Sabbath. The Bible says, ponder the path of thy feet. Obviously, you must do your thinking for you. We should do thinking collectively, but we should be thinking as individuals also, often, and thinking and reflecting. What is What are our goals? We should have goals, definitely goals. Um, as you well know, in the Bible, the last book of the Bible, there is the blessing on those who study this book very especially. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein. And there are many precious truths in the book of Revelation. But we have been told in Revelation 13 that John beheld another beast coming up out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb and he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their heads, uh, foreheads that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or in the number of his name. This beast that John beheld coming up out of the earth, we have known for years, as I have been his body, represents the United States of America. It will lend its full strength of support to supporting the organization that we know as the Roman Catholic Church in the enforcement of Sunday keeping in direct violation of the plain commandment of Christ to keep the seventh-day Sabbath holy. We are now facing the last, very rapidly, crisis in Earth's history. And brothers and sisters, we only have two options. We will either arrive very soon on the Sea of Glass, or our destiny will be left to a terrible fate in the lake of fire. God is not arbitrary. He is just. And every knee will bow before him and confess that he is good. But the psalmist said in Psalms 119, he says, My soul I continually hold in my hand. Yet do I not forget thy law. All of us hold our own destiny in our own hands. Yes, without God's help, we cannot uh, arrive in the eternal city. So the, the, the position that we are in now is very sobering. Yeah, We should be, yes, buoyant and joyful in some respects, but it's also very sobering. When you read the book of Revelation, there's a special blessing on those pronounced on those who read it. And then the course in Revelation chapter 13 is the warning against receiving the mark of the beast. Um, brothers and sisters, when you attack... Christ's Sabbath, who is the maker of this world, you are attacking Christ. And when you remove Christ's Sabbath, you are removing Christ. And the world will have to come and face this issue. And so we are here, like we are told in the ninth volume of the testimonies, Seventh-day Adventists have been set, in a special sense, as watchmen to the world to give the warning message. That's why we are to be preparing uh, To give that message, we are to be giving that message. And every day we live now should be in preparation and in proclamation. Preparation and proclamation, because that is our work. So as we look at the future, uh, uh, we need to think about some things, and hopefully by the grace of God we'll think about a few things today.
When you come to the last book in the Bible, in the last chapter, there's wonderful promises there. God's people are going to look upon his face. It's going to be a very happy time. Twice in the book of Revelation, it says God will wipe away all tears from our eyes. But the verse I want us to think about just for a moment here, it says in Revelation 22, he that is unjust, let him be unjust still, and he which is filthy, let him be filthy still, and he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And behold, I come quickly. In other words, this prophecy is declaring that there will come a time in which the characters of all will be fixed in a certain mode for eternity, it will come to the point where it will not be reversed. So during this probationary time, we are to prepare not only for the final events, but we are to prepare for eternity, and we are to do it by the grace of God and uh, by the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. So what I would like to share today is just a few thoughts about uh, righteousness by faith and also some things about practical Christian living. It's not going to be, maybe, in any way, a profound message today, but hopefully very important. I'm convinced all truth, especially present truth, is important. I want to talk to you just a little bit about the concept of um, righteousness by faith. I have here a statement which is a commentary on 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. You know that, right? But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Paul is saying here that by beholding, and we need to think about what that means, By beholding Christ in his word, the spirit of God will operate on the soul and transform it into the very image of Christ. All of us from our birth or before, as God was forming us in the womb of our mother, we were all given not only a particular body, but we were given a personality. All of us have a God-given personality that's unique. But because we're in a fallen world and we've been affected by sin, we need transformed into the image of Christ. And this is all through the Bible. Ephesians chapter 5, till we all, or excuse me, 4, until we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. When Paul wrote to the Galatians, he says, My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. This is the great purpose of the gospel is to take the soul and transform it into the image of Christ. And by the way, if you're uh, in a keen sense of your need today, be thankful. If you don't feel your need today, then you have something to be concerned about. But Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. <clears throat> anyway, this statement here, this is a book, Education, page 18. I would like to read this comment here and then com- this statement here and then comment on it briefly. As the perfection of his character is dwelt upon, the mind is renewed and the soul is recreated in the image of God. 
Now, on the previous uh, page, there is a statement here how man, every human being created in the image of God is endowed with a power akin to that of the creator, individuality, power to think and to do. So we were all created in the image of God. Of course, we've been affected by sin, but we are endowed with a power akin that is like that our creator, individuality, we are to be unique from others. Power to think and to do. Okay? So, this statement here says, and I just want to dwell on this a little bit. It says, as the perfection of his character is dwelt upon. The word dwell means you ponder, you think, you spend time with something. As the perfection of his character is dwelt upon, the mind is renewed. The mind is renewed and the soul is recreated in the image of God. Now, in the book, Great Controversy, at the end of the chapter 27, Modern Revivals, a very good description of true religious experience and so forth, Um, but there's a statement there on the last page of that chapter 27 that says that it is by beholding that we are changed. This is the same thing that's said in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. If you want to jot it, uh, second, uh, excuse me, not second, but third selected messages, page 183, says that the message for this time is that by beholding we are changed. The message for this time is that by beholding we are changed. <clears throat> now I'm going to read this statement here or, or quote this statement here again, and then I want to bring out a little perspective on it. It says, as the perfection of his character is dwelt upon, as the perfection of his character is dwelt upon, the mind is renewed and the soul is recreated in the image of God. The word as, the beginning of that sentence, as is a very pivotal word because it is saying that as we dwell upon Christ, then the change is occurring and taking place. Christ has revealed himself in his word. He says, search the scriptures, for they are they which testify me. If you want to dwell upon the perfections of God, yes, the imperfections of humanity, the great controversy conflict is plainly laid out in the Bible, but the perfections of God are also there. Thou art righteous, O Lord, and thy judgments are true. So as we dwell upon the word of God, as we dwell upon the word of God, this very process, whether it's sitting reading your Bible or as you meditate through the day or think or as you're laying awake at night or as you're in prayer, any of these times, these are moments in which we are actually inviting the spirit of God into the soul and he is operating to make a change. And we know in these last days that Christ is going to have a people who reflect his image fully. We also know that in these last days, in contrast, Satan is going to have a people who reflect his image fully. And thus the showdown will come. So as the 
perfection of his character is dwelt upon, the mind is renewed, and the soul is recreated in the image of God. So what happens when we dwell upon Christ? We start seeing ourselves more for what we are. Don't be in despair if you feel very sinful. There's a lot more hope in that than feeling very proud. Right, a lot more hope in that. Steps to Christ says, no deep-seated love for Jesus can dwell in the heart that does not realize its own sinfulness. All right? And then the process goes on as we see our need of Christ and as we see his goodness, we choose to follow the Spirit of God. I am sorry, I don't have the reference for this, but I'll read you this. This is a quote by Ella White. I'm reading a book um, that's some sermons by A.T. Jones. This is what it says. The hand of the infinite is stretched over the battlements of heaven. Talking about the hand of Christ. Stretched out over the battlements of heaven. To grasp your hand in its embrace. The hand of the infinite is stretched over the battlements of heaven to grasp your hand in its embrace. The mighty helper, that is Christ, is nigh to help the most erring, the most sinful, and despairing. Look up by faith, and the light of the glory of God will shine upon you. I'm going to read that once more. The hand of the infinite is stretched over the battlements of heaven to grasp your hand in its embrace. The mighty helper is nigh to help the most erring, the most sinful, and despairing. The mighty helper is nigh to help the most erring, the most sinful, and despairing. Look up by faith, and the light of the glory of God will shine upon you. Isn't that good? <clears throat> you know, uh, I have some of these cards in the back. This is a very good uh, Audio recording of Desire of Ages and Great Controversy that you can access. I think it's a wonderful witnessing tool also, which I may comment on here in a moment. But when you listen to the chapter, uh, it's maybe chapter 57, but it's the chapter called Lazarus Come Forth. When you either listen to that or read it, you will see or hear this statement in that chapter. It says this, To all who are reaching out to feel the guiding hand of God, to all who are reaching out to feel the guiding hand of God, the moment of greatest discouragement is the time when divine help is nearest. The moment of greatest discouragement is the time when divine help is nearest. So, brothers and sisters, we definitely have um, preparation to make. I believe one of the keys to life is discipline. You know what discipline means? Discipline means you do things you don't feel like doing. You realize that? And You know, whatever I say up here may be all to the glory of God, but I just want to tell you this. The last Sabbath of the year, I went to uh, my home, basically my home church, Coshocton. And after being there, <clears throat> I stayed for lunch. After being there, I said to myself, and I felt to myself, you know what? 
It's the end of the year, and the, and I feel like it, and I just want to go home, and I want, just want to rest. But then I felt like I should go out and do some witnessing. So I said to myself, you know what, Kent? You're going to go out and do what you don't feel like doing. And so I had happened to have some books with me in my van. I went to a Walmart parking lot, and the Lord helped me pass out 100 books Sabbath afternoon. And I must say I was rewarded. There was one young lady. She took the book, and she said, you know what? She said, I have been looking for a book. You know, like she was hungering for it. There were several other ladies very get, glad to get the book. And um, so anyway, I praise the Lord. I had some very, very nice experiences there. I must say this last week was one of those weeks where I felt like I was battling with myself and battling with my circumstances. And maybe you've been in days like that where you're battling with yourself and you're battling with circumstances. And, uh, but you know, you don't quit. You just keep going. On Thursday, um, and you know, I always pray, but I had a certain plan for my work, how I'd work this community. But kind of on impulse, I decided to change my route, and so I went down and worked also another road close by, and I met two ladies. One lady, her name was Deanna, and I gave her a great controversy and talked to her a little bit, and she almost came to tears. She said, we're going through a really hard time. I said, ma'am, I says, I have an, I told her, I said, I have another book I want to give you. And I said, it's called Steps to Christ. It'll explain to you about prayer. She said, I'll take it. She says, I can use, we can use anything we can get right now. She was very receptive. There was another lady, when I share with her the great controversy, um, she was especially interested in the audio card that explained how to listen to it by audio. She said, I have just been doing research and studying to these very topics. And she says, I am very interested in this book. It's like, wow, the Lord definitely led me. Brothers and sisters, I believe that angels of God are now moving throughout Ohio and preparing the hearts of people to uh, receive this message. We have a golden opportunity to get these books out and do anything we can, every way, way we can, to put a book in someone's hand. I had to go to the dentist yesterday, and uh, the... The man who had worked on me before, he said, you know, he said, I lost that little card, and he kind of apologized, and so I gave him another one. He says, I'm going to listen to that. So you never know how you might influence someone for the kingdom of God. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, <clears throat> so as we dwell upon the perfections of his character, the mind is renewed, and the soul is transformed in the image of God. This is what we need to be like Christ. And, of course, those who are looking unto Jesus will be satisfied with nothing but perfection of character, right? Okay. Now, I want to read another statement here, and then I want to get on to a few other things before I wrap it up, and I'm going to try and not take too much of your time today. Here, to me, is a very interesting statement in the book Education on the Great Controversy that we are in You know, if our eyes could be opened right now, I think we would become very animated and enlightened if we could see the unseen world that is right with us and around us right now. If we could see the holy angels revealed and they're there, you better believe they're there. And we could see the evil angels who would do anything they could to take us down, we would probably feel our need for more constant prayer. 
to press back these powers of darkness. But here's a statement in Education, page 190. It says, talking about the student of prophecy and the great controversy that we're in, it says, he should see how this controversy, that is this battle, enters into every phase of human experience. How in every act of life, he himself reveals the one or the other of the two antagonistic motives. Antagonistic. Good is antagonistic to evil. Evil is antagonistic to good. Christ is antagonistic to Satan and sin, and Satan is antagonistic to righteousness and Christ. He should see how this controversy enters into every phase of human experience. How in every act of life, now listen to this. This is the very same thing that Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, which I may quote. But it says here, how in every act of life he himself reveals the one or the other of the two antagonistic motives. And how whether he will or not, he is even now deciding upon which side of the controversy he will be found. So we are deciding by our relationship to the law of God, either our loyalty to it or our breaking of it. And brothers and sisters, Uh, I don't know if I'll tell you. Maybe I'll tell you this. I really, anyway, I just went to court on Monday with my boy because he had got a speeding ticket. <laughs> so really, I praise God for that because I think it'll help his character. But anyway, <clears throat> the judge said to him, he said, do you have any excuse? My boy said no. <laughs> so I was glad. I'll tell you this, interestingly, though, that I went along and his mother did too, but anyway, the judge said, well, you know, besides the fine, there's uh, classes for doing this, and and he says it'll be such and such a date on Saturday, and I spoke up, and I said, well, we will not do that because of our religious convictions, so the judge said back to me, he said, well, he said, it's not going to hurt you to miss church one day, <laughs> so, so, um, Anyway, then he conceded some. He says, well, you can appeal the matter. Okay, so anyway, that we did that. Um, and he will not be going on Sabbath, just so you know. <laughs> but anyway, if you realize what the judge was saying, he doesn't realize what he said, but he was saying it's not okay to break man's law, but it's okay to break God's law. He doesn't understand that, but that's exactly what he was saying. And you realize that's what it's going to come to at the end. The world's going to tell you, oh, it's okay to break God's law, but it's not okay to break our law. And we will say, nope, we will keep God's law no matter what it costs us. You know. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to try and race the clock here because I don't want to take too much of your time. I feel bad because I took too much of your time last time. But... Um, there's a few things I would, in fact, let me just go to Proverbs 6 with you because I really like this passage and there's some things in there I'd like to comment on. And then I want to tell you a little bit about uh, the life of Joseph Bates. Proverbs chapter 6 is what I'd like to look at here with you. <clears throat> here's, the, here's the point that I would like to, to um 
kind of press on your thinking at the moment. Proverbs chapter 6. And I'll tell you the verse here in a moment. Um, Verse 6. Okay. But anyway, before I read, I just want to make this comment here. In the book, Great Controversy, we are told, page 464, that before the final outpouring of the judgments of God upon the earth, there will be a revival of primitive godliness as has not been seen since apostolic times, and that the spirit and power of God would be poured out upon his children. So there is going to be, before God's final judgments are poured out on this world, there's going to be a revival of primitive godliness that's not been seen since apostolic times. In other words, it's going to come on strong. There's going to be a people who are going to be very, very devoted to the Lord Jesus, and that means they are very, very devoted to his word. What we need as Seventh-day Adventist brothers and sisters is not only to embrace the theory of the truth, but the practical things of the word of God. Even inspiration, it says we hear a lot about faith, but not very much about works. Okay? Faith and works. Seest thou a man that says, has faith without works? Yeah, yeah. No. Faith without works is dead, okay? Anyway, I want to read a passage here briefly and make some comments and make a few other comments. Proverbs 6, 6 says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider ways and be wise. What's a sluggard? A lazy person. You, do you remember in the parable, the talents, Jesus said to the man who had one, and he made an excuse for not doing anything for what, with what he had, he said, thou wicked and what? Slothful servant. The word slothful means lazy. Look, within our capacity of brain, bone, and body, we are to do our very best. Okay? Yeah, Grandma 75 may not be able to do what Henry of 35 can do, but you better be doing your best. Right? Go to the ant, thou sluggard, and consider her ways. And be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou rise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want is an armed man. Okay? <clears throat> I'm just going to get right to the point here with something. There's a whole lot of you I have not been to your homes, but I'm going to make a guess. And it may not be true. But there may be some of you that have a garage or a basement or a bedroom that needs cleaned up. And it's a mess. Can I encourage you to get it in order? Do you realize that if you spend five hours doing some work and organizing, you can potentially save 50 hours in the coming year by simply being organized? You know, our Lord said, sell that ye have. If you have something you're not using and it's not real important to your life, get rid of it, sell it. And if you're not going to sell it, give it away. And if you're not going to give it away, throw it in the trash. Get organized. Brothers and sisters, we need to be organized for two reasons and clean as possible. Number one, we have a great work to do, and we cannot be cumbered down by the burdens of this life. No man that warreth, Paul told Timothy, entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. If you have junk or trinkets that are of real no essential value, get rid of them. If they're just in your way and you spend time cleaning them every month or every week, it's a waste of your time. 
Clean up your life and make it simple. Get rid of stuff that you don't need. Get organized. Spend time getting organized. Okay? Now I want to read to you a few thing, other things here in, in Proverbs chapter 6, <clears throat> starting with verse 16. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. So is it six or is it seven? It's actually six, but he made seven out of them because one of them he repeated. Okay? You'll see it. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look. Mm. Evidently, God doesn't like proud, proud looks. Have you ever had a proud look? Have I ever had a proud look? Have I ever been an abomination to God? That's a question I should ask myself, right, when I read the Bible. Here's another one he doesn't like. A lying tongue. Ooh. Has my tongue ever violated that one? Mm. Not good. And hands that shed innocent blood. Ooh, does that ever apply to this generation? And heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. These are people actually planning evil. Ooh, that's not good. Feet that be swift in running to mischief. That is causing trouble. You know the very nature of sin is sin causes trouble where there was no trouble in the beginning. You realize that? Isn't that the very nature of a lot of things that go on now? People cause tr- sin causes trouble that where there was no trouble, yes. right? That's what the devil was all about in heaven. It was a nice place to be, yes. and he messed it up. And they said, "Out of here, buddy." That's why in the book of Revelation it says, "He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment." And I will not blot his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. In other words, Jesus says, "You." who were once sinners and you've overcome by my blood. Maybe you were a a liar, adulterer, or whatever you were, but you've been cleaned up now and you've repented of your ways and you've been purified by my blood. I'm going to take you back into heaven. You see, God's angels have suffered terribly because what they went through in heaven. And they're seeing the suffering that's going on here on this earth and they're not going to take repeats of that back into heaven. That's the point. And that's one of the reasons why God allows suffering in this life, to see if we will allow suffering or pressure of circumstances to push us in some way to disobey God. And if we refuse to let those pressures push us to disobey God, then our soul in that very process is being purified and made more loyal and more deeply on the side of Christ. Now, here it is, the second one, a false witness that speaketh lies. Okay, so lying is mentioned in here twice. That's the number six that made the number seven. I want to share something with you. My tongue has been contaminated with this, but by the grace of God, I'm trying to overcome it. You will notice often in conversation, and unfortunately, even amongst us as Seventh-day Adventists, or I, should be, I don't want to qualify that in the wrong way often, but you will notice it. People will make statements for fun that are not true. They know they're not true, and you know they're not true. Can I share something with you? 
God abhors that. Look, it was a lie that started the great controversy in this world. And we are to have nothing to do with deception. We are to hate it. Okay? The person who tells jokes that are dishonest or jokes in a dishonest way. I have been around people that they did it so much you really couldn't tell part of the time whether they were saying what they meant or whether they were just saying something to be funny. Anyway, cut it out of your practice. God, especially in these last days, will have a people that have in their mouths no guile. Mm. Their credibility is impeccable. Mm. Honesty is the intent to never deceive. Now, if someone asked me how far it is to the next town, I might say 12 miles. Maybe it was 15, but I didn't intend to deceive them. Do you see what I'm saying? And maybe if I don't know for sure, I can say I think it's 10, but I'm not sure. You know, do you see what I'm saying? There's this constant stream of intent coming from the soul to be honest. Amen. Yes, sir. No. And by the way, you know, when you're doing business with people, if they see you answer a question to your disadvantage, you may lose the sale, but a lot of times you have more credibility with them because you're being honest. See, okay, anyway, I want to comment on this last one and try and wrap this up, which I'm having a hard time doing. 19, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. Okay? Don't be making trouble in the church. And don't be making trouble in the family. You know, husbands and wives should agree in front of their children. Don't undermine each other. You're sowing discord. And we should do all we can whenever problems arise. Problems will arise. But we should do all we can to to work those out and reconcile those. God is going to have a people in these last days that are going to have a powerful unity. Mm. And they they will definitely do it. So... This is Mount of Blessings, page 117. God in his great love is seeking to develop in us the precious graces of his spirit. He, God, permits us to encounter obstacles, persecution. I don't like either of those. He permits us to encounter obstacles, persecution, and hardships. He permits that. Now listen. Not as a curse, but as the greatest blessing of our lives. And like your brother over here will tell you, it sure doesn't feel like that when you're going through it. But this is exactly what it says. As the greatest blessing of our lives. Now listen. Every temptation, and I'll tell you what, brothers and sisters, some of them are mean and hard and long. Maybe the devil's after you. I know he's after me. Big time. 
Every temptation resisted, every trial bravely borne gives us a new experience and advances us in the work of character building. Every temptation resisted, every trial bravely borne gives us a new experience and advances us in the work of character building. The soul that through divine power resists temptation reveals to the world and to the heavenly universe the efficiency of the grace of Christ. So here we are. We're coming down to the end of the great controversy. The Supreme Court of the universe is now in session and has been since 1844. Names are coming up. Names are being examined Soon our names will come up and be examined. Jesus wants us to be ready for that time. The entire universe is watching on what's going on now on this planet because Christ has paid an infinite price for the souls of its inhabitants. And the whole universe is watching. Look at Ephesians 3. Look at Revelation 12. To the intent that now unto principalities and powers in the heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Very plain statement. The universe is watching. Revelation 12. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony and they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice ye what? Heavens and ye that dwell in them. They're watching. In the 1888 materials that Ellen White wrote that are compiled now on page 802, you'll read a statement that goes like this. Every eye in the unfallen universe... Every eye in the unfallen universe is bent on the scenes unfolding before us, the final scenes of the great controversy. We're there. We're moving right into it. We have no time to waste. We must seek the pearl of great price, which is Christ. You know what? There's a book that I would encourage you to read. Cabin Boy to Advent Crusader. It's on the life by Virgil Robinson. It's on the life of Joseph Bates. An amazing man. His wife was highly responsible for his conversion. He was a boy on the sea as a young man held in captivity for a good number of years as a prisoner. He was a ship captain for quite a few years, and then he found out about the Adventist message, and he was very faithful to it, and he was a wonderful warrior for Christ. One time when he was in a meeting where Ellen White was in vision, he heard her describing astronomy in the heavens, and Orion especially, and he was totally enraptured. And he said, I wish, um, I'll look at the man's name here again, but he said, I wish Lord William Ross was here. Well, and James White said, well, who is that? And he was some great astronomer. Joseph Bates himself had studied deeply into astronomy, and when he heard Alan White describing what was actually up there in the heavens, he was totally amazed. Joseph Bates presented the Sabbath message to James and Ellen White at first, and they were reluctant at first to receive it, and he was reluctant at first to receive her and accept her prophetic gift. But they finally reconciled, they accepted the Sabbath, and he accepted her gift. One time when Joseph Bates was riding with the Whites uh, on a particular journey, they had been loaned a horse and a buggy, and they were not told uh, what the horse had done to two other men. He had killed them, but they were uh, told that they better be careful how they handled the horse. And during that ride, 
Um, Ellen White came into vision, and uh, James White stopped the horse, and Ellen White got down and put her hand on the horse's flank, and he, she, the horse should have killed her the way he was because he was known to kick savagely at anybody that touched him there. He never moved. horse never moved. Ellen White had her vision, got back up on the buggy, touched the horse again. Nothing ever happened, and that really clenched it for Joseph Bates. But anyway, his story is a wonderful story, and, but I'm going to wrap it up with this. In 1871 in Battle Creek, there was a special meeting on the health message. And they were gathered together to inspire each, one another on the health message and following it. And someone said, they said, hey, where's Joseph Bates? We ought to let him tell us about his experience. At that time, Joseph Bates was 79 years old. He had traveled extensively, and he was just an amazing man. And I want to read to you in this little book, and then I'll be done. Elder Bates was modestly sitting in the rear of the congregation. In response to this request, he walked down the aisle, and those who saw him afterwards said that he tripped along as nimbly as a boy and stood as straight as a marble shaft. At 79, he was still moving good. On the platform, he told in a clear, ringing voice the story of how through the years he had dropped one bat bad habit after another until he had reached the point of total abstinence from everything harmful. First it was hard drink, then it was tobacco and so forth. In closing, he said, he was entirely free from aches and pains and faced the gladdening and cheering prospect that if he continued on the way he had chosen, he would stand without fault before the throne of God. In other words, everything God showed him on diets, tobacco, alcohol, you name it, he did it, and he reaped the results. He was a very healthy man. He produced a tremendous amount of labor in God's cause during his life. With the cheering prospect that if he continued on his way, he had chosen he would stand without fault before the throne of God. The audience was so electrified by the old man's eloquence that for a few moments only deep amens could be heard from all parts of the congregation. He was at that last, at that time in his 79th year. We have some amazing pioneers that have gone before us, but they're dead now. My father's dead now. My brother's-in-law is dead now. Many have gone before us. The torch is in your hands. May God help us to stand for the right though the heavens fall. Before we pray, I'd like to make a challenge to you that you'll adopt Paul's statement of his own life. He said, that's one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark, toward the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know what? You need to make some goals for yourself this year. Despite what people say about resolutions, make goals for yourself. Personally, I have some goals. I'm memorizing some passages of scripture, reviewing other ones I already know to make sure I have them. My One of my plans this year, besides other things, is to study prophecy, to really focus on the study of prophecy. Make goals. Every day, think. Get things done. If you need to rest, fine. But seek to improve your health. Do whatever you can to improve yourself, to live for Christ, 
and to give the very best to you can to Christ. Because he gave the very best to you. He gave everything for you. And he wants you with him in his kingdom. Jesus wants you with him in his kingdom. And he wants to transform you into his image. Make decisions today, brothers and sisters. Do not neglect them, please. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you for your word. We praise you that we can look unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And we know, Lord, that someday soon with Joseph Bates and the other pioneers and the other Christians of past ages, if we are faithful, we will stand before your throne, glorified, looking upon your face of love, never, never more to be opposed and baffled by the pains and conflicts of this world, to be with you forever. And as your word has said, I had not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. Father, bless this congregation. Bless my brothers and sisters here. Help them, I pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.